before I minister to you this morning, uh, we've got a solo that we want to bring to you. Really, it came out of the title of the ser- my sermon today, which is Something Inside That's So Strong. And, uh, of course, you might recognize that from a song. And I was speaking to Matt, our worship leader, just before our staff meeting earlier on this week. And uh, he recognized it and started singing it. So he's going to sing that song for us. And while he's singing it, I want you to realize that what we're going to be speaking about today is that something that's inside us that's so strong as Christians is our born-again nature. And I'm going to be ministering on how to let our born-again new creation nature out so as Matt ministers to us be thinking on those things Come tumbling Didn't have my space and time You squander wealth that's mine My light will shine so brightly It will blind you No matter something inside so strong I know that I can make you When they're doing me wrong so they thought that my pride was gone. Oh no, something inside so strong. Oh, something inside so strong. Brothers and sisters, who when they insist we're just not good enough. Look them in the eyes and say, We're gonna do it anyway. 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 Because there's someone inside so strong, 
See, I know that I can make it when they do me so wrong, so wrong. They thought that my prize was gone. Oh, no. There's someone inside so strong. Oh, there's someone inside so strong. Hey, oh, there's someone inside so strong. Oh, Jesus is inside and is so strong. Thank you, Matt. Something inside that's so strong. We're going to go to our Bible text today. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to James chapter 1 and verse 14. That's where we're going to be reading from. In this passage, James will be talking about two types of birth. He'll be warning us against the type of dealing with our circumstances that causes us to birth sinful strategies and actions to deal with our problems that bring ultimate disaster. But then he's going to be speaking about a different birthing process, the new birth of being born again, and how we're to address our problems and circumstances by our brand new nature. James chapter 1, verse 14 onwards. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth or births sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father of lights, with whom there's no change or shadow of turning, of having made his decision, he gave birth to us. That's what the word is in the Greek, birth. Having made his decision, he gave birth to us by the word of his truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creation. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every person be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and remaining wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let me give you a little bit of a context of this passage because context is power. The context of this passage is that James is writing to people, uh, relatively new Christians, that are under severe circumstantial pressure. You only know what's inside you when you enter into a pressured situation, isn't that right? Well, they were in difficulties, pressured situations. The problem was, is that they were returning to all the old ways of dealing with life's problems that they utilized before they were born again. They were using sinful strategies. We read in the, in the letter to, 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 from James that they were arguing and fighting and jealousy 
scholars. They were seeking rich people for handouts and trying to, to get known with those that were movers. They were using every worldly strategy possible to try and make life work. It was like they were giving birth to these sinful strategies that were actually, in the end, making things even worse. And James said to them, no, don't live out of that old nature and the way that that old nature acted. But, but he said, don't you see that God has given birth to you? You're born again. And get off these rags of the old life and let that which God has put inside you, the new nature, come out and show itself you must be born again, Jesus said. What does it mean to be born again? What is it to have something inside you that is so strong that Matt was singing about earlier? Turn with me to John chapter 1. And let us find out what this thing is inside us that is so strong. Gospel of John, let's start chapter 1 verse 11. Jesus, the word of God, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. Listen to that. They were born, not earthly bearing, not fleshly bearing, but this was the will of God. Remember in James, having made his decision, he gave birth to us by the word of his truth. Jesus explains this a little bit further. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus is speaking to a great teacher, Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, there's something about God, about you. And Jesus says, tries to explain to him that you must be born again. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh gives birth to flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again." This was the promise of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that something would happen in the New Testament, the New Covenant, that would radically change God's people's lives. No, wonder, no longer would we be trying with the old sinful heart to live up to God's standards revealed in his law. But God would not just give us his standards, but he would give us the power to live his life. This was prophesied by the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36, verse 26. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. 
I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You know, when God does his work through the gospel, God is not looking to give you some heart surgery, to get into the old life and somehow make it a little bit better, widen the arteries so the blood can flow a little bit, uh, do a little bit of work, make it a little bit better. God is not doing heart surgery. He is giving us a heart transplant. He has taken out of us a heart of stone that is unable to live in the things of God. And he has placed in us a brand new heart. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. All the apostles understood the power of the experience of the new birth. Let me explain this in a little bit of an analogy that I've taken from a book that's very powerful on living out of the new birth. It's called Revolution Within, A Fresh Look at Supernatural Living, Revolution Within. And it's by Dwight Edwards, the famous revivalist, Jonathan Edwards, great, 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 great grandson has written this and um, this is on uh, the the leader's cell sheet if if you want to find this or or look into these things further well he he has an analogy of an engine that I've sort of taken and expanded and um, when we think about many Christians when they think about what does it mean to become a Christian they sort of have this sort of view and we'll use the analogy of a car and a car wash that in their old life they were like a spluttering old banger of a car and they were filthy and dirty with, 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 with this fallen world and the actions that they had done. When they came to Christ and put their faith in him and his sacrifice, the picture is, is that they think, well, it was like the car going through a great automatic car wash. We went in the car wash by faith in the blood of Jesus and we were washed and cleansed and we came out the other side and we were a cleaned up version of what went on inside. Well, there's an element of truth in that. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you understand that he died for your sins, he didn't die for his sins, he didn't have any. But he took upon himself on the cross the punishment that you and I deserved for our sins. And on the cross, he paid the price that his father, as the judge of the universe, would exact from our lives. It would take an eternity to pay them. But Jesus paid them on our behalf. And when we trust in his sacrifice for our sins, what happens? We're cleansed. We're washed. We're forgiven. It's true. But there's something even more profound than that. Because when we went into that car wash by faith not only were we sprinkled with the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus cleansing us from our past sin but while we were in that car wash process God put in a new engine at the center of our car in other words he gave us a new creation we became born again there is something so strong inside and inside our lives now keeping with that car analogy we have a new engine 
We are a new creation. And that new engine is the key to the rest of our life here on earth. You say, what happened to the old engine? Oh, it's left in. But we no longer have to live out of that old, spluttering engine that could never properly power our lives, that actually kept driving us into destruction. And so we have a new engine, that's the new life. And the old, broken down engine, that's the old life, the old you. But don't you know that when you became a Christian, you became a new person. Deep down inside, just like you were born of flesh, Jesus says. In other words, you were physically born into this earth. Every single human being needs a second birth, a new birth. It's not like the, the Nicodemus thought, not another physical birth, climbing into your mother's womb, for goodness sake. It's not a physical birth. The second birth is far more important than that. It is a spiritual birth. You are born eternal and a new nature is in, inside you that can overcome all problems according to the Spirit of God. Now, when you're talking about engines, you ask yourselves, what fuel powers those engines? Well, the old engine, the old life that we're to no longer live out of the power, what was that fueled by? What petrol was put in the old engine of that spluttering old banger that we were? Well, it's soulish passion that drives that engine. Well, what is the fuel of the new engine, the born-again seed inside you? What fuels the new engine of the new life? Well, it is living water. Jesus said, out of your innermost being, that's your new creation, you're born again. Out of you being born again will flow rivers of living water. Now, we see that what God has done here is he sort of gone under the bonnet of our lives and given us a brand new engine. I remember when I first bought my second-hand Golf GTI, best car I've ever had, except the first week I had a puncture outside my house. So I phoned the RAC and the man came and he was looking at it. It's true, I can't even change a, a wheel. And he was looking at the wheel, but he said, oh, this is a, this is a nice old model, this GTI. I said, yeah, it is. He says, you know, of course, uh, what type of engine it is, don't you? I said, not really. It's got two exhausts, so I suppose it's fast. And he began to tell me about the engine. And, and he said, have you looked at the engine? I said, no, I don't even know how to pop the bonnet up. And he, said, and he kept talking, oh, this engine, this engine. Uh, and I said, but it's a nice-looking car, isn't it? He said, oh, it's a nice-looking car, but you've got to see what's under the bonnet. Do you mind if we look? I said, sure, we can have a look. So he opened up the bonnet of the car, and then he looked, and i never seen a man so excited. I guess that's why he's in the RAC, he loves his cars. And he's looking at the engine, look at that, look at how that works. He was interested what was under the bonnet. Do you know, in these days and times, people are sick of surface. They're sick of, oh, polish it up, make it look good. And politics and religion and in daily life, everybody's trying to put on some sort of front, some sort of surface that they think will be acceptable to you. But we're tired of people's surfaces, tired of people's projections. People really want to see what's under the bonnet, like that RAC man, where the power is. And so it, when we're talking about being born again, what's going to make a difference in life? 
Somebody might say to me and ask me, Bruce, what is the major cause of Europe's problems today? What would your analysis be? Not enough born-again people. Number two, too many born-again people living like they're not born again. Operating out the old engine that's meant to be disengaged. That's the, that's the problem in a nutshell. When people look under the bonnet, when you look under the bonnet, which I'm asking you to do today of your own life, if you're saved and Christian today, I want you to begin to identify and understand that there's a new you that is a real you inside. A real you. Christianity is a process of self-discovery. To become who you really are. To put aside that old engine forever and begin to use the new engine. You know, you can have the greatest engine under your bonnet in the world. But if you don't put that engine into gear, it's of no value to you. I'm not talking about an automatic car today. Christians are not automatic cars. We have gear sticks. And the key is to put the gear set of our mind into contact with the new engine. You can take a big engine. You can take a big Formula One race car. If you don't put it into gear, if you keep it in neutral, you can rev that engine all you like. We can hear the tremendous roar of those turbocharged engines. But if your engine isn't in gear, you don't go anywhere. Sometimes I wonder if the church today is in danger of being people that rev their engine very, very loudly, but never put that engine into gear. That's where the power is. Your mindset is the clutch that determines which engine you live out of. The old, broken down engine that's powered by soulish desires that can't do what God wants to do through you. That's why he gave you a new engine. But you put your mindset and you put that clutch into the new engine, you won't just be revving and making a noise in an 11 o'clock service, my friend, but you will find that you have power in this life to do what God has called you to do. Power to respond to the circumstances and adversities of life. Not a power from the old man. Not a power from the world. Not some external religious uh, activity, but something that's generated deep inside you. A born again, God given new creation powered by the fuel of the living water of the Holy Spirit you'll be a totally different person. What people need today is no more religious people. What people need today is a very manifestation of the sons and daughters of the living God. The born-again nature brought out for all to see. We have to look under our own bonnets to see what we've got. I had no idea what was under the bonnet of my GTI until someone lifted it up and showed me it. Process of self-discovery. It's a little bit like this. It's like being a computer and God gives you a whole new hard drive. Totally changed. The computer's the same on the outside, but he gives you a totally upgraded new hard drive. How many people know about Windows 10? 
millions of us. Well, Windows 10 was offered on one of my old, old laptops, which carried Windows 7. So I thought, well, why not? And so I upgraded to Windows 10 on my Windows 7 computer. It was awful. Because when that Windows 10, everything was taking ages. And as far as I'm concerned, it was the computer's hardware was too old to cope with this new software, and it was lagging. So I went back to Windows 7. Well, it's the other way around in our lives. We have been given a new hard drive. It's the born-again nature. And the old hard drive, which doesn't work anymore, is just left and should be left redundant. That new hard drive is ready to roll. But our software needs updating. What's our software? Our mind, our thinking, our thoughts. Our mind is so far behind our nature, our new nature. This is why Peter talks about being about like, like newborn babies taking the milk of God's word. Our mind has to catch up with the miracle that has taken place on the inside. And as our mind catches up through putting the word into action, James says, be doers of the word. As we put the word into action, as we align our mind with God's truth, what are we doing? We are putting the clutch of our mind into our new engine and the power is going to be released and accelerated in our lives. Let me give you an illustration. You see, it's time to put off inappropriate behavior. Some of the things we're thinking, some of the things we're saying, and some of the things we are doing are inappropriate to the new engine and the new nature. Filthy rags, James says, get it off. Release what's inside you. This reminds me of when I was at infant school in a village called Martincombe-Grafton in the Yorkshire Dales. And I had been unkind in the playground, we'll leave it at that. Unkind in the playground. And I was called into the headmaster's office, Mr. Usherden, a fine Christian man. I was convinced that in some way he was related to Jesus. <laughs> convinced of it. So I was called into his office for being unkind in the playground. I was frightened. This was a relation of Jesus, and he was going to tear a strip. I didn't know what was going to happen. I hadn't really been in trouble before. And I sat down, and he turned to me and looked at me, and he said to me, Bruce, what just happened in the playground is not the Bruce I know. The Bruce I know is not unkind. The Bruce I know is kind, helpful, sensitive, caring for other people. That's the Bruce I know. I don't know this Bruce that was unkind in the playground. I don't want to ever see that again. It's not you. Off you go, son. I left. He, he didn't sit me down and say, you wicked, evil. He knew it wasn't me. What was happening was inappropriate to the person that he knew I was. I'm speaking about that moment today because it's a defining moment in my education and growing as a young person. I carried that with me. Somebody had told me who I was and it had resonated with who I wanted to be. And now when situations took place, I'm thinking, no, that's not me. Well, how much more if I was to take you here today watching on the internet, new generation, if I was to take you into the headmaster's office... 
for some of the unkind things you've been doing, saying, thinking, and was to sit you down before the headmaster Jesus, wouldn't he say the same thing to you? He'd say, this isn't you anymore, not anymore. This isn't who you are. You're a different person. You know, we, we, we understand that. Sometimes the problems in our lives are, uh, sometimes when we're discouraged or dissatisfied, it's because we're doing things that aren't really who we are in Christ. We're saying things or we're responding in ways that aren't who we are deep, deep, deep down. Your born-again nature is like a treasure in a field and a man sold everything he had because someone had told him there was a treasure deep down but he had to dig to get it. He sold everything, bought the field. He went into the field and he dug and he dug and he got rid of the soil and he got rid of the earth and he got rid of the covering and then finally he found the treasure and he put that treasure to work. Deep down inside you, the core of who you are since you became a Christian is a new nature. It's not the you of the old. It's not the you dressed up. It's not the you self-helped. It's not the you with a little bit more morality on top. It's not you helped. It's a brand new you. Religion is filthy rags. Religion is, I'll try a little bit, do a little bit more, give a little bit more to charity. That's Pharisaism. You ever read the Gospels? Have you read the Gospels? There was one group of people that Jesus was pretty harsh on. It was the Pharisees. Why? Because they didn't live from the inside out but they lived from the outside they gave big offerings so that people would applaud them when they prayed they looked to see who was watching Jesus said that on the outs they were like bowls on the outside of the bowl they were clean but on the inside they hadn't even been washed they were like whitewashed tombs, gleaming, glinting in the sunlight, whitewashed. But Jesus said, on the inside, you are like dead men's bones. They boasted about what they didn't do morally and what they did do morally. But Jesus said, problem is, on the inside, you've not changed. Change comes from the inside. So... What are the characteristics of the new nature? You see, if we're going to deal with the problems of life, we can't go back to the old ways and the old methods that didn't work. God has saved us and given us this new creation so that we can live a new life in Christ, powered by the Spirit. So let's just have a look at a few characteristics of the new nature. Uh, we don't need to turn to this one, but 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. So the key manifestation of being born again is love. Love. And in Galatians 5, you may have heard of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. You say, well, many people have many definitions of love. That's correct. That's why after Paul saying the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, he gives eight other words to describe what love or what the characteristics of a Christian, a born-again Christian, should be. Someone who's born again should have joy, peace, endurance, faith, kindness, generosity, Gentleness to those that they can harm, 
and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. Notice it's fruit. It comes from within. It's not placed on without. You don't go, okay, the fruit of the Spirit, I must try harder too. No, 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 no. We're not Christmas trees. You take a Christmas tree, a real Christmas tree, you cut it. The moment you cut it from the ground, it's beginning to die. But then you adorn it, you decorate it with stars and tinsel. And everybody says, oh, how beautiful. Well, that's not like a Christian, because that thing is already dying the moment you uprooted it. No, it's the fruit. It's something that comes out of the real you. Let's turn to 1 Peter, which is the letter straight after James. See, this born-again thing is the, is the essence of Christianity. Let's go to 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Notice now how when we speak about the born-again nature, it's linked to getting rid of all that old life so that it can empower you and drive you by the power of the Holy Spirit as your engine. Verse 22 of 1 Peter 1. Since your souls have been purified by obedience to the truth through the Spirit unto a genuine brotherly love, love one another deeply from a pure heart, for you have been born again, for you, not from perishable seed, but imperishable through the word of God. Then a bit further down to chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore put away all wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babies, see there's the birth motif. As newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow. So there we get the picture of getting off the old life and allowing the new life. It's discovery. You grow as a Christian. It's like a new birth. When someone comes to Christ, we know it's like a new birth. We don't leave them alone. We have to nurse them. We have to consolidate them. We have to, have to let them know something's happened inside. When a baby's born, it's, it's not conscious of itself. It grows. A baby, as it grows into a child, becomes conscious of who it is. It's the same with us, friends. We have to increase our consciousness renew our mind to what's actually taken place so that we can release the reality of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Back now, finally, to James. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness, remaining wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, that's the born again, which is able to save your souls, be doers of the word. What James is saying is, is that we need to begin to put into practice what we know of God. You can't do it all overnight, it's step by step. A baby doesn't grow to an adult within a couple of days, but it does grow and mature. Paul's problems with the Corinthians was that they weren't maturing, they weren't growing in their new birth. They were, he said, I have to speak to you like babies. Oh, by now, you should be fully mature in Christian character coming out from the born-again nature. As you, do, as you are doers of the word, so you are engaging the clutch of your life with the born-again spirit, and things will change. My final illustration is of a man that was known to us at Kensington Temple many years ago when I was here as a very young minister. And he was a down-and-out alcoholic, 
well known in Notting Hill at that time. And he was also a believer. And he would used to come to church drunk and messed up and soiled and all dirty. But, uh, I mean, he was the only Christian I knew who could speak in tongues, start swearing, and then speak in tongues again. <laughs> and we tried everything to help him, and he wouldn't be helped. Except one day he said, all right, please help me. So we took him to a Christian rehabilitation center. And then months later, as I was walking through the church, I heard a quiet voice. Hello, Bruce. And I thought, and I walked on, I thought, can hello, Bruce. And I turned around and I saw before me, it took my breath away. Because it was this man. But gone were his filthy clothes his filthy language, his filthy hair. Gone was, was the drunkenness that clothed him 24 hours of the day. And there he was, dressed, cleaned, and I began to speak to him. And the person that he really was, that I hadn't seen through all that mess, was suddenly shining it was one of the most amazing things to see. Now, I know that's an external illustration, but that's what God wants to happen with us, that we should get off the filthy rags, the stuff that, you know, the headmaster would say, that's not you. But not just throw those things off, but let from the innermost being the Holy Spirit out. Let's bow our heads in response. It's one thing to be born again and to let that nature out through the fruit of the Spirit and being a doer of the Word from the heart, not just external actions. But if you don't have that new engine, you can't live the new life because the old engine won't take you anywhere. Could there be anybody here today or on the internet and uh, you say, I need that, I need to be born again, I've just... Understood. That's the basic problem. I need my sins forgiven. I like that car. I need to go through the car wash and be washed of everything from the bath. But then what am I going to do tomorrow? I need that new engine. I need to be born anew to enter the kingdom of God. Well, you're one prayer away from new life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he died for your sins... Not only will your sins be forgiven, but you will be given new life. You will become born again, and your life will never be the same.